Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Lindsey Graham, David Perdue, Kelly Loeffler, Lynn Wood, Michael Flynn, Boris Epstein. The list goes on and on. Who are these people? Well, some of them are U.S. Senators. Some of them former U.S. Senators. Uh, some of them uh, lawyers. And all of them were people recommended by the Georgia Grand Jury for charges. But these are the people who were unindicted. 21 of them. The list is out. We talked about it here, the idea of the unindicted co-conspirator. And I believe it was it was William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com, who pointed out that when you talk about having unindicted co-conspirators, and that's I'm using the terminology on these guys right here, it's to create fear within the Republican Party to meddle in an election to keep people from talking honestly and openly to one another because, after all, they couldn't, maybe this person is, maybe that person is, maybe this person connected is, maybe that. And, and so people aren't engaged, people aren't sharing, people are afraid to talk. Wasn't that the whole point? I despise all of this stuff, regardless of the Donald Trump connection. But in how many more ways do we need to see that it is obvious How, how obvious does it have to be that the objective here, whether it's utilizing RICO to go after Trump, whether it's the Alvin Bragg situation in New York, the ridiculousness of the Jack Smith uh, situation and indictment regarding January 6th, there is no limit, there is no end that these people won't go to in order to abuse. The system seems to be meaningless. Only the damage to be done seems to matter. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. This is a maddening bit of story here that has come out. And I do want to get with uh, the people who have a better legal mind than I regarding where they think this goes what do they think this means but if the grand jury was recommending charges and the da decided not to bring charges i only assume that is to create a moment later where charges could be brought it's to create a moment later where you have the opportunity to inflict more harm and more damage. After all, isn't that exactly what these people want to do? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Find everything I do at TonyKatz.com. To to bolster my argument, let me go to MSNBC. Because at MSNBC... They were sharing this breaking news. They actually have a prosecuting Donald Trump podcast. That's a true story. They've got they got a little QR code that you can scan and 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 you can get the you can get the podcast. 
Well, Katie Fang is on the show. She is a legal contributor to MSNBC. And here is the question that is uh, asked. I believe it's Mario Diaz-Balart asking the question. Listen. Graduate receiving evidence from or involving 75 witnesses during the course of the investigation. Katie Fang, what do you think this says to Donald Trump? It says to Donald Trump, I'd be nervous because not only did Donald Trump create an environment where these were willing participants, let me be very clear, but he created an environment where now people have been indicted alongside him. Because in the January 6th case, um, you see just him standing alone with six unindicted co-conspirators and they kind of, you know, had a sigh of relief. But then when finally Willits brought these charges through this grand jury indictment that we eventually saw a few weeks ago, the people that were in his orbit, they got indicted, too. And again, not because they were just patsies and following along with what he wanted, but they were active co-conspirators that had their own criminal liability. I would be nervous if I'm Donald Trump because now, as I've noted, there are a lot of people who are that are going to be witnesses against him. These- so I guess I'm not too far off base in the idea of the unindicted co-conspirator and the purpose here to apply more pressure. You can say to me, And you will be correct in saying to me that, well, this this is how the DOJ acts, this is how the FBI acts, this is how we treat American citizens. And you will not get me to change my point of view that it's disgusting and obscene. The system we have set up, I mean, the expression is you can beat the rat, but you can't beat the ride. You start doing this to people, you start squeezing people, they'll say anything you want them to say. This is injustice. This is not a justice system. This is nuts. You now release a list. By the way, has I, I haven't gotten an answer yet because this all has just been kind of going down. I've been working on some other things. Why did this list get released? Was it supposed to be released? Was it supposed, like, is is there a reason, like, okay, now the grand jury has to provide all this and, 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 and all that, et cetera. I don't have an answer to that question, and it's one that I, I, I need to get because, like, very often things happen because it's procedural. It has to happen. The, 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 it has to be released. And as you heard, that panel, that grand jury, heard from 75 witnesses. Is the release of this information uh, just as a way of putting a shot over the bow? Hey, all you people who just got mentioned, um, Maybe uh, you'll have to be indicted one day. Maybe conversations you've had with people. Maybe conversations uh, uh, that people had with you. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Maybe this will keep you from talking. Maybe this will keep you from talking about Trump. Maybe this will keep you from speaking in favor of Trump. Maybe this will put a thumb on the scale of the election. Oh, the hell if I know. But if you don't think these are all parts of the conversation, you're crazy. This is absolutely screwing with an election. Of course it is. Of course it is. And if you say to me, well, Tony, they're allowed to bring a case against the former president. You could have brought a case against the former president at any time. You did it to screw with an election. Stop pretending, oh, people who think they're pious, that you are pious. You are not decent, nor kind, nor moral. No one who is a part of this, no one who is thrilled about this is decent. These charges could have been brought a year ago, and we wouldn't be having the conversation about election interference, although I'm sure somebody would have brought it up. But now? What? 
is it, I don't even know how there could be a doubt. I'm a guy who questions whether Trump can win a general election. I am a guy who is not ride or die with Donald Trump, but I've never been never Trump because never Trump is a radically impossible position to have in connection to conservatism. I argue you cannot be a conservative and be never Trump. It simply does not work. Oh, I'll take on anybody. Who do you got? You show me one guy from the bulwark ready to have this conversation. I'm down with it. I'm ready to go. Conservatism, amongst the studying of Burke and Locke, amongst the studying of Hayek, amongst the understanding of the principles it takes in in regards to what it is to be a free people in a liberty society, without question is the recognition of the reality around us. My choice was Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, and anybody who said Hillary Clinton isn't a conservative. What they are is an emotional child who probably cries themselves to sleep. Now, sometimes you might cry yourself to sleep over money. You might cry yourself to sleep. You're not sure how you're going to feed your kids. Those are legitimate reasons. Because Donald Trump might be president? Why didn't you present a better argument? I didn't cry myself to sleep when Barack Obama became president. I did, however, after that election, sit at my kitchen table, eat a bagel with my wife and with my brother and say, damn, this is going to suck. Donald Trump, is it, it, to vote for him, is, is a vote against conservatism? Donald Trump does not prove or disprove conservatism. It's a laughable thing to to say. And these never-Trumpers did it with glee. Bill Crystal's a schmuck. This guy was the standard bearer of conservatism and got broken. And Jonah Goldberg got broken. And David French got broken. These are people who have minds and they chose not to use them and went down, I think, a very, very bad course. We're no longer talking about a conservative value. You're talking about why this guy is bad and no one cares. Because I can give you 5,000 reasons why Trump is a jerk. What does it matter? If you want to then have somebody else vote for that person, campaign for that person. But if you lose... This is my point. If you lose and Trump is the nominee and your choice is Trump or Biden, just based on policy, the history of Trump's policies versus the current reality of Biden's policies, there isn't a debate to be had. Not if you're a conservative. I don't know what Republicans do. I'm talking about being a conservative. I'm talking about having the study, having a value, having a a, 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 a touchstone of what it is you're trying to do with a nation. You want to tell me he's disgusting? That's fine. Biden's disgusting too. Now what do I do? Stay home? Don't vote? Third party? In the perfect world, but conservatism is an understanding that the world is not perfect. It's here and now. And it's an understanding that it is very clear uh, that Fannie Willis, through all these unindicted co-conspirators, is trying to keep people from engaging, trying to keep people from acting, trying to put a thumb on the scale on an election.
This is a threat. Everybody who's listed here, including the the fake electors, remember they had set up a slate of electors, uh, you know, uh, different than the electors regarding Biden. One of them is the current Georgia Lieutenant Governor, uh, Burt Jones. Oh, we're going to, we may look at you. You you live in fear for a while. Have a nice day. It's disgusting. So I need to know whether these things had to be released or they just were released. As I have the story, a judge has uh, decided uh, to to release um, the, the, this report. It was a judge that made uh, the, the, the call to do this. I, I want to understand why. I want to understand if charges were recommended, how come they were not brought. And I want to know what the standard order of things are. Because what I see here, outsider looking in, first blush, I see a system that people absolutely don't trust, and rightfully so. And I honestly don't know how to bring back the trust. I really don't. I don't see it. And that's frightening. I'm Tony Katz. The city of Huntington Beach, California, banned universal masks and vaccine mandates for COVID-19. That, that's right. That's right. Huntington Beach, California. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Not everybody is crazy. Not everybody is nuts. And not everybody is out of their dang minds. Some people are pretty normal. The vast majority of Americans aren't crazy. They want to live their lives and they want to be left alone. And it's just weird to see this in California. It was a vote of their city council. It passed four to three, adjoining in the early morning hours, like 2.48 a.m. They're not going to have this. Good. More and more people shouldn't have this, should be opposed to this, should be fighting this. You know, the whole mass conversation where you had um, J.D. Vance and, and Mike Braun, senators from Ohio and Indiana, respectively, wanting to push legislation that says we'll never force masks on anybody. And then you had Senator Markey, Ed Markey of Massachusetts, saying, well, wait a second. This bill is little more than an attempt uh, by Republicans to dismantle a public health infrastructure that had to be built in order to deal with this greatest of pandemics since 1918. We had to build a bureaucracy, and now you lowlifes want to destroy it. Do you know how long we Democrats have been waiting to build this kind of bureaucracy? Oh, 
We love to build these kinds of bureaucracies. You know, they don't come along all the time. This is pretty rare stuff, and we get a chance to build up this bulwark of, of mandates and control, and then we get to pass legislation because people are afraid, and that gives you an opportunity to do things, never let a crisis go to waste. You think we're going to give that all up? Do you know how much we love this stuff? Yes! 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 We love this stuff that much. You want to get rid of bureaucracy? You're a little bit racist. Well, it doesn't mean you're not racist. It, it really is a, a, the, the position, right? The, the, the position is we just had to do all this, and now you want to get rid of it? It's a great example of how a program never disappears in, uh, in, in progressivism. There's never a program that disappears. It's, it, it, it's there for forever. There's always an, another reason for, for, for one more check. There's always another reason uh, for, for one more spending package. There's always a reason why the American people need to be uh, um, uh, abused just a little bit more, you know, for their safety. I, I am sorry uh, that um, it did not move forward. But I think it's important to know who's making this happen. This leads us to the idea of government shutdown. And people freaking out over government shutdown. I, I will not. If it shuts down, it shuts down. If the members of Congress can't figure this out, not my problem. But always remember, always remember that the, the, you, you are not the thing that matters. You're not the thing that matters. Them destroying their political enemies, that's what matters. They want to destroy. They don't want you to have a say. They don't want to engage honestly. They want to destroy their political enemy. And if it means you don't get a check for whatever it is you get a check from the government for or whatever it is the government's supposed to provide you, well, that's okay. But as long as Republicans don't get what they want, everything's good. This is a story of how uh, um, Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, is trying to play a game of chicken with, um, with the House of Representatives, saying, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to pass all these appropriations bills. And you are going to have to pass a continuing resolution if you want to keep the government open. But if we don't pass these, um, these, these appropriations bills and the deal that was set up between uh, Speaker McCarthy and President Biden, well, then you're going to have a 1% cut right across the board. The, 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 the penny plan is going to go into play. That's what's going to happen. As Ted Cruz uh, said, funding for the federal government expires September 30th, and I would put the odds very high that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer just say, to hell with you, congressional Republicans. Maybe. But I, I refuse to get worked up by it. I'll talk about it, I'll share, and I understand it has an effect on people's lives. It's September 30th, right? We're going to run out of, of money on September 30th. And the government's going to shut down. That's a, that's a Saturday. You know I'm going to do that following Monday? Go to work. So are you. You know I'm going to do that weekend? Probably smoke a brisket. So are you.
going to have a cigar, going to drink a bourbon, going to hang out with friends, going to talk to my children, going to do all the things. So are you. Our life goes on. Worrying about how the country functions is not their plan. Destroying their political enemies is. I'm Tony Katz. People have forgotten because there's so much going on with the election and so much going on with quote unquote Bidenomics and so much going on with the southern border uh, that we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine each and every day. It seems every day there's another ask every day. There's another offer every day. There's a, a another push. And yes, Russia invaded Ukraine. And we have people who believe that we have no business being there. We have people who believe that we have to vanquish Russia. We have Vivek Ramaswamy, presidential candidate, worried about the Russia-China alliance. Well, is there such a thing? Or is it just China controlling Russia? And then there's North Korea who's been doing their own missile testing. I mean, there's a fair amount going on outside of what we're told are the only things we're allowed to talk about. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Major Mike Lyons joins us. Retired United States Army, West Point guy, military analyst. And and first, just as, as an overall, what is going on with Ukraine? Russian uh, uh, offensive. Ukraine's been countering conversations of how Ukraine has a chance to put this thing away. Other people saying you're mad if you think that Ukraine can put this away. Russia keeps throwing troops at this. We'll keep throwing whatever money they can at this. What's happening right now? What's the latest? So, Tony, after about 30 days since we probably last talked about this, um, there's no change in the situation on the ground with regard to their counteroffensive. And that has got to do with the same things we talked about back then were about uh, no air support. They just don't have the level of combined arms that exists in order for them to be successful in the counteroffensive. And then and on, you roll over the fact that Russia has now learned. There's reports on the ground that they're moving troops differently. They are uh, putting command and control headquarters well underground uh, and, and protecting them. So Russia is doing things in order to be more successful themselves. You know, the biggest thing about this whole war is all military analysts, myself included in this, we project how we would fight this. We project how NATO would fight. We project uh, mobile armored you know, combat warfare at, at, that's third dimensional, that includes command and control and cyber, every single aspect. And just that's not this war. This war is World War One and, and a dash of World War Two. It's it's still being fought, you know, very much, you know, conventionally like it was fought back then. Not one side having the, the great uh, advantage from a technology perspective. Uh, you look at the latest aid packages that the president sent to Ukraine. It's got artillery rounds again. I mean, we can't give enough artillery rounds to them. So, so that's really what's what's happening. You can we can sit there and, and cavil about places like Robotine and 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 Zaporizhia and areas where they think they've gained four or five miles on the ground, but until they actually punch through and make 20, 40, 60 miles uh, in a breakout. The Ukrainian military just can't can't be claiming any kind of success here. So when you talk about World War One, I, I mean, you're talking about a trench warfare kind of situation. Is that right. what it feels like? I mean, they're just there on their lines, and you move five feet this way, you move two feet that way, and and nobody has gained an inch. That's right, and that's what's happened because the, the Russians have created this new 
tactic. They just they, they take over a situa- an area and they mine themselves in. We were kind of laughing about that amongst other analysts. We were, you know, it, you'd never heard of that before, but they take over this the spot. They dig trenches and they literally mine the place around them. And, and, and in some cases, we've seen that they haven't given themselves a chance to, to escape. Now, I don't I don't think they have the you know the burn the boats mentality. They're not you know they're not there to necessarily die in place. But I just think that's because of more ignorance. But um, the, if you look at satellite shots, the the level of detail of their trenches as well as their minefields is pretty sophisticated. And it's uh, n- not high tech. It didn't take a lot to do it. It's just a matter of making sure that uh, the Ukrainian military can't pop through. You know, we we don't have uh, a lot of earth moving equipment that we're giving them. We're still trying to give them kinetic things. And, and because of that, uh, they're not able to, to breach these minefields, which are still pretty deadly. So this becomes a war of attrition, right? A, mm-hmm. a, a war of exhaustion. Can the Russians exhaust the Ukrainians into saying, fine, just take the Donbass, leave us alone already? Is this the goal? Is it attrition to a specific goal? Or is Putin still in a place, even everything that happened with Prigozhin, is mm-hmm. he still in a place to say, no, 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 um, uh, you, you, you're all Nazis, which he has said numerous times and others have said, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you have to be uh, destroyed uh, uh, in toto. Yeah. If you look at the history of Russia, they just don't, that's not how they roll. They don't go in that direction. They're not going to just stop and, and try to negotiate something at this point. They, they're all in, and I don't see them not remaining in that spot. It's Ukraine that has got to decide what they want to do, if they're willing to give up some of their land to Russia. It's similar to the Middle East. You know, the Israelis have been trading peace for land for years. <clears throat> it's, it's similar to that. Um, and and in, in some ways, um, what the candidate Ramaswamy is talking about is, is true, whether or not Ukraine can accept that. And right now they can't. They, they're not willing to do that. They think they're going to get the, the, the Crimea back. They think they're going to get all that region back, areas that they've lost eight, ten years ago. So uh, both sides are still don't have, you know, from a strategic perspective, their strategic goals are not aligned with their tactical capabilities on both sides. I don't, you know, they're not vanquishing Russia. Russia's not leaving there. But in the same token, Russia is also not invading Ukraine any, any more than they're having right now. They're not, they're not doing anything else, and that's why we have the stalemate. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army military analyst, radio and television. Uh, let's talk about Vivek Ramaswamy, who, who said mm-hmm. that our, our biggest issue is the, the China-Russia alliance. And mm-hmm. he, he made it seem, whether it be in the debate or in other conversations, that what we need to do is be reaching out, if you will, to Russia and bring Russia to uh, the, the table. First, what is your take on the idea of a China-Russia alliance? Because that would make me think there's some level of equality there, and I just don't see where that's uh, in real life. Uh, and secondly, is there any world and in any way that Vladimir Putin, that Russia gets brought to a table with the United States to achieve some kind of peace between us never mind what's going on with ukraine no i don't think he's got a, a sense of reality there I, I think his politics are realpolitik in that he wants to view the situation as it is on the ground and as it is in the world and not wishing it's going to act be a certain way but but as every day goes by russia becomes more and more of a client state of china so that that's what's really happening here russia is not close at all to you know china and stature and um, and we're not flipping a switch to all of a sudden get along with Russia, given what we've done in Ukraine. So that's, th- those things are not happening either. I don't think we have to be afraid of that. 
as well. Um, but we see the world, though, going back to this polarization of you know China, North Korea, um, uh, Russia, uh, Iran, in the Middle East, and and that's kind of where the world now is falling. The, the wild card is India, right? I mean, India is still buying co- commerce from Russia. They're still supporting their military operations in that regard. But uh, you know, with a billion people, the Indians have uh, have a say in this. Um, and then everybody else on the other side, you know, the Japanese, all those Pacific Island countries, Australia, whatever, the United States, NATO. It, it's it's to me, it's very clear. I I don't. We've got to figure out a way to deter China at this point and make them recognize that, you know, even if they decided to to align themselves with China, it still wouldn't be enough to invade Taiwan or do something in the Pacific. So I I, I think he's overblown that. And I I think he's, you know, I don't don't want to call him this foreign policy novice as Nikki Haley has. Obviously, she sat in the United Nations. She's got a much better feel in her fingertips about where the world is, I think. But, um, but you know, he, he's, trying to, he's trying to at least put different ideas out there. Well, a different idea is different than a bad idea. Um, and certainly, as I have said and looked at it, there is no creating a peace with, with Russia. There's no creating a peace with Vladimir Putin. And you talk about it being a client state. We've discussed this before. It, it, could, it, could it already be said that China, in doing these exercises with Russia, for example, off the coast of Alaska, where they were uh, having, you know, we were, we're, we're launching fighter jets to push them aside, these other things they've been doing uh, in, 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 in war drills, um, they're already taking Russia, if you will, like they've taken right. certain African nations by basically buying them out, putting in airports, and then controlling the airports, South American countries, uh, the same way. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And, and the thing is, though, these, these combined military operations are really not combined, right? When, when the United States and NATO holds exercises, they're all about interoperability. They're all about making sure, you know, everyone's on the same radio frequency. They're all about making sure that um, everyone is aligned with the same vision, all these kinds of things that are much higher order in some ways than just military operations. Right? So you take a regular company, right? When a regular company decides to buy another company and bring them in, there's one or two things they can do. They can actually assimilate them into their culture. They can do all the things that go and make sure that they become part of it, and that's where they gain more leverage. Or they could just bolt them on and they still operate separately, uh, and they just, you know, in, in theory, from the company's perspective, they think they add power. Well, that's kind of what the Chinese and the Russians are all about. They're, they're not working together. They're just working side by side. And, 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 and that is always a much weaker way in order uh, to conduct military operations because that, that means there's seams. That means there's going to be um, gaps. That's, that means there's going to be ways to exploit that. So, so that's why, again, I think that that is very overrated. Just look at the, the language difficulty, the language barrier that's there, the interoperability of equipment. They don't, they don't have the same equipment. They don't have the same thing. Who knows if they're, again, if they're on the same radio frequency, something as basic as that. So I think, I think that's why that is not as much of a concern from a military perspective as we think. But I, I guess, let me, let me go back and just a quick rephrase the question. At exactly when do you think China actually controls the actions of Russia? Is that something that's five years away or 50 years away? Uh, it's not going to be as long as Vladimir Putin is sitting in his seat. Um, it's going to have to be a Russian leader who actually accepts where the world is um, and is trying to avoid revolution that will take place inside of Russia. You know, all these countries 
have, th- th- besides from external security w- regarding you know, national security from each country's perspective, you've got to look at like energy security, you've got to look at food security. I mean, this is where China is still a potentially, uh, you know, uh, it could explode. It, it's still a ticking time bomb. They, they, they have a, you know, historically, if they don't grow 6, 7, 8% a year, they have a revolution. And a billion people in revolution is just not, you know, there's not a lot of military that can do to kind of put that down. So, you know, they have all other kinds of forces that are acting on them. So, so to answer your question, no, I don't, I don't think it's as long as Putin is there because Putin thinks he can still control all those things, food security, internal security, uh, national security. He, he still thinks he has control over that. The question is when revolution, when it's something takes place from within in both of those countries, that's when I think we've got to be concerned. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army military analyst. North Korea has been saber-rattling. North mm-hmm. Korea has been doing missile tests. And this was Vice President Kamala Harris mm-hmm. uh, discussing Russia uh, reaching out to, to North Korea. Listen. I think it would be a huge mistake. The idea that they would be supplying uh, ammunition to that end it would be a huge mistake i also believe very strongly that for both russia and north korea this will further isolate them it is very clear that russia has clearly they're very desperate russia is very very desperate so uh two things Uh, number one Mm -hmm. to the idea of what north korea has been doing uh, they're just looking for some food or some money right there this is this is the traditional stuff Right. Um, and, do you agree yeah. with the vice president's assessment that Russia is desperate? Yeah, and you get two bottom feeder countries now. Russia needs artillery ammunition, which North Korea has, um, and then Russia will do what it can and bring f- you know fuel back to North Korea. Um, but North Korea is, is going to continue to just be on that cusp of having the kind of things that threaten world security. You saw. Uh, lately, they've produced now what they perceive to be a tactical nuclear submarine, which, which would give them that kind of capability. So that's got to be something we've got to be concerned about. Um, you know, that from our nuclear triad, our subs are a, a very important part of it. Uh, if North Korea has the capability to sneak up uh, to the United States and fire a tactical nuke, definition of a tactical nuke means, you know, let's say 100 to 200 miles in range, right? Not, not an ICBM, not something that's coming from a different continent, not something that's going through the atmosphere. Um, if they could do something like that, you know, they won't necessarily destroy a city, but they can actually threaten it. And, and um, they're going to continue to do that. Uh, Russia, this is going to give both of them a little bit of life. The fact that Russia's got to go to North Korea to get artillery ammo is all, all you need to know. I mean, how, how bad the things are going for them in Ukraine. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Uh, before before I let you go, and I appreciate you taking uh, the, the 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 time. We talked about Vivek Ramaswamy. We talked about uh, North Korea. Um, we have a recruitment issue in the military. Um, mm-hmm. In the end, is this recruitment issue about the Biden administration? Is this about who they're looking at and how? Is this a cultural? issue with a degradation uh, in, the, in the minds of the American people regarding military service? Is this mm-hmm. about the military not upholding its own standard and being, we've talked about woke and things like that. As yeah. you see it and you talk to, to, to your people about it, what's right. the number one issue regarding recruitment? Yeah, a lot of forces acting on recruitment right now. I, and one of the things, though, is this, and that is the, the Army in particular, I'm, I'm familiar with the Army recruiting, right? The Army in particular knows what it's going to be successful in order for somebody to, 
to be a good soldier. And they have all of these tests and they have all of these gates and they have all of these indicators that can predict to predict that. Well, there's just so many people right now within the country that are disqualified because they don't they can't get through those. So so part of the problem is the population has shrunk of who's capable. And you would think so uh, you'd be surprised like any kind of prescription drugs that you took when you were a kid. If you were a kid and took Ritalin or you took Adderall, it took something to help you with hyperactivity. That's disqualifying by the time you become 18 and try to get in the army. You you might be able to get a waiver for it. But so the army itself has hamstrung certain things. I, I think it's number one. Yeah, I do, I definitely think that the army reflects society and is going to do whatever you know kind of is going on. Usually, if the job market's good, then army has a tough time recruiting. We can solve some of this problem uh, by we have all those immigrants and migrants here. I, I was in a unit that had a lot of uh, immigrants in it that had green cards, and and part of the issue was they ended up getting citizens out of it. If we really wanted to, we could go down to Texas and try to figure that out and come up with twenty thousand people. I'm sure that would help our military recruiting. But I, there's so many different forces acting on it, Tony. It's hard to say which it is. I, I think right now the Army's going to look internal and try to fix some of those gates it's put up to make sure that we only get a certain amount of people and give more people more latitude to, to try to join. Yeah, and I'm not sure recruiting at the border is the right way to go about it. Major Mike Lyons, <laughs> retired United States Army. I appreciate you taking the time. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Of course, the big news breaking today that the Fulton County Special Grand Jury, the one that decided RICO was the answer, they wanted to charge Senator Lindsey Graham. They wanted to charge former Senator, Georgia Senator Kelly Loeffler, uh, former uh, Georgia Senator David Perdue, and former Trump official Mike Flynn. The uh, grand jury's final report um, uh, is has been released and Man, they want to go after everybody. This is going to get broken down 12 ways from Sunday, and we'll see what level of overreaching is happening beyond what we already know. Because being a RICO Act is the proof of the overreach. That's the part that's madness. You can't get Trump, so try and get someone. That's, that's not how we do it in America. That's, that's, that's everything we shouldn't do. In America, this isn't about whether you like uh, Trump. This is about the rule of law, the madness that takes place when you try and manipulate it. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.